0: Welcome to the Best Place to Work podcast, where we promise actionable tips from real business leaders on building amazing work cultures. Not tips from Google, but tips from the trenches of real-world businesses just like yours. Today, I'm joined by Phoenix Business Person of the Year, Laudan Shojai, who is the CEO of Axosoft, and they make advanced tools for software developers. Her and her husband are quite active in the Phoenix tech scene and she has built quite a company that looks almost like it should belong in San Francisco more than it should in Phoenix. Um, there's definitely no lack of passion in her voice as she talks about her obsessive approach to transparency and honesty um, at her company. So let's jump right in. So Laura, and give me a background story on how Axosoft got started and where you guys are at today.
1: So, in 2005, um, that was the time where project managements were getting to the point where projects were getting so large that Excel was no longer able to keep your data and keep you connected to your team and make sure that progress was being made. And a larger product, what ended up happening is you got a lot of uh, bugs in your in your program, especially when you needed to collaborate. It was also the beginning of remote work and trying to get everyone on the same page. So we built our first tool back then. We've been around for 12 years. In the process, we've added additional tools that help um, software developers become even more proficient at what they do. Our most recent product is a Git client. Um, so again, very specific to developers, but we started out with product focus, right? Build the best product we can, put it out there, sell it in a SaaS model, and just you know get it into as many people's hands as possible. That's the gratification part. Through this process, of course, you have to build a company around product. And the company was built with pure um, desire to have amazing people under one roof. And whenever you have amazing, smart, intelligent people, there's a lot of different personality types. So From the very beginning, we focused on culture. If you don't focus on culture, you will have a culture whether you like it or not. But if you focus on it and tailor it and curate it on a regular basis to where you want it to be, how you want it to... Um, look from the inside out and the outside in, then you have to work on it, right? And so we built it with culture in mind, and we've iterated throughout the years as the company has expanded, as we've learned lessons, as we've done things wrong. And so here we are in 2017, still working on culture, a very big thing for us.
0: Yeah. So what was the, do you guys started the company 12 years ago with the intent of building the culture, or was it something that as you grew, you said, hey, we really need to pay attention to this thing because culture is being created, and we're not intentionally doing it?
1: By the time we had uh, employee number three, we made sure that culture was a topic of conversation. Um, now, when you're at three, you don't necessarily, you, there much you can do as far as culture goes. You can do a couple of aesthetics thing, aesthetic things, right? You can do, um, you know, uh, what type of work environment you want. You can do a little bit of that. By the time we were five, we had already given thought to, what type of cultural foundation we want to set for ourselves and how we want to leap upon it. So ideas like, how do we encourage and foster collaboration? How do we make sure that regardless of title, regardless of years in the field, regardless of number of, you know, time at the company, how do you make sure that everyone's voices are heard, their opinions matter, arguments are had, and, uh, and, Discussions are equally weighted, and then you move on. Right? You make a decision, you move on, and whether it was a right decision or not, how do you catch those wrong ones quickly without any altercations in the in the team? Right? Without people feeling like they were personally attacked, those were conscious decisions. Those are cultural things that you have to not only say, but you have to live it every day, and you have to uh, make sure that you set examples for, and your team will start doing the same thing. So. Yeah so so, early
0: on, yes. yeah. so, so how did you, how did you come to arrive at that? Was that from past experiences? Was it from, you know, business coach or, you know, just the early employees? How did you, you come out with some of those tactics that you used?
1: So my partner in crime and my husband, um, had previously worked at Microsoft and I was in the medical field and I was work, finishing up a doctorate at the time. And we combined his experience in, um, the tech world and different environments that he had worked in and a, a plethora of business books. One of my favorites still being uh, good to great and um, the outliers or outliers, right? Combining some of the data that's out there, his experience and my professional um, take on what it, what it means to ha- have uh, bedside manners. And when you're dealing with patients, we took all of that and combined it and said, you know, Here's the environment we want. Here's where we're going to pull best practices from and then personal experience and then your own flavor to it, right? And what that means for you. So we kind of combined from a lot of different industries.
0: Yeah, no, I like the bedside manner um, component. I think that's an interesting thing because it's, it's all those soft things, right? You know, it's, it's really playing <laughs> to the interpersonal aspect of, of in, uh, relationships with your team.
1: It is. And, you know, it's it's all about relationships, right? It is all about relationships. And you, we are mistaken if we think that, oh, we come here and spend majority of our time in this office with these people and we don't have to connect with them in one way or another. You don't have to become best friends with everyone, but you have to find a way to connect. Otherwise, you cannot collaborate and be successful on projects. Whether you're in accounting, by the way, or marketing or development, it's all one team, essentially, right? Because Development will have an issue that, you know, customer success will have to fix and customer success will have to go to accounting. And they all have to mesh and they have to have the rapport with each other each other to be able to walk up to each other and resolve an issue or uh, for either if it's internal or for a customer. So,
0: yeah. And so why do you think that so a company that's growing and maybe they're at like employee number 30 and they realize that they their culture is kind of struggling. Maybe they have a lot of infighting or something. What do you think are the, the the barriers to that? Like if people know that conceptually that it's all about relationships and we're all on one team, where do you think the the stumbling points are for people that want an, a good company culture but end up with a bad one?
1: So Mike, let me, let me tell you now, that this is my soapbox, right? Because culture is something, I actually <laughs> prefer the title um, Cultural Harvester, right? I, I really feel like I, 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 this is passionate for me, so I'll get on my soapbox for a little bit and cut me off at any point. <laughs> what happens, the, the magic number 30 employee, that's that point in a business where at 25, you're starting at large, but once you hit 30, you're starting to feel like, oh, there are members of your team that may not know other members of your team. Now, when you're at 15, everyone knows everyone. You know something about someone, and between 15 and 25, it happens really quickly. You're at that stage where financially, I mean, in a successful growing company, right, this is a scenario we're talking about, you're bringing on more talent, you're growing because you're trying to hit that next, you know, uh, milestone. And you kind of tend to forget because you have put in the legwork at the beginning and 15 to about 25, you kind of forget. You're like, well, let's coast for a little while, right? Because I have to focus on recruiting and hiring. And when you bring those newer people into your team and you don't necessarily take the time and put in the effort to uh, adapt them into your culture, what ends up happening is you also forget to check up on the culture that you had created. So some of your existing uh, employees will kind of also give up too when you give up because that's how it goes, right? Someone's got to lead the charge. So if you're kind of giving up, they're kind of giving up. And then here comes in other types of things that you didn't necessarily want to have in the company. For example, uh, you know, people talking behind people's back. That's something we do not do here. It's not tolerated. You have something to say, Go ahead and talk to someone. Pull them into a room and talk to them. Do not sit on things like that because it kind of festers, right? And yeah. so and you build you know, alliances with here's who I get along with and here's who I don't. No, no, no. Let's just all like air it out. And we, be, we, between that 15 and 25, when that happens, even if every now and then you're checking in but not as often as, as you were, then you hit number 30. 30 is crunch time. You're probably out of your office space wherever you were, right? You've got to go to a new place, and you have a lot of other issues because that's when HR stuff starts coming in, and you you have different laws to abide with. And your accounting team and your admin team all of a sudden has to grow, and you might even bring in an HR recruiting person. Then culture could be set by someone other than the founder, the co-founder, or the people who set the foundation. Then you'll have chaos, right? Where if all along, you make sure that just like you look at all your numbers on a weekly basis, just like you retouch your strategy and make sure that you realign for what the market is asking you for, you go back and you realign your culture. You reset your employees. You make sure you're all rowing in the same direction for the same purpose and mission. Then when you hit 30, you're dealing with other issues. You're dealing with how is the market reacting to you getting bigger and bigger? How do you get your your uh, your competitors to notice you and move out of your way kind of a thing rather than having to do that and battle internally as well. So that's kind of my soapbox, I'll stop now because I can talk all day about it.
0: No, I think that was really valuable. I think that's exactly what you know. I want to pull out of these, these people like yourselves that have, have succeeded in that transition phase. And then have said, okay, here's kind of the the things that I've learned along the way. And it sounds like you guys really have honed in on um, being extremely intentional about culture. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Waypoint. If you want to get your team aligned and you want to go from herding cats to a well-oiled machine, and if you're sick of the annual review process, then check out Waypoint. It's an elegant tool built for leaders just like you to help you invest in your people and unlock their true potential. Head over to waypointhq.com to learn more. You know, it's interesting talking, you know, I talk to people on this podcast and you it really comes down to the people skills, the interpersonal skills, the under, understanding um, organize, organizational behavior, that sort of a thing. Which it seems like that's not always stressed enough, in my opinion.
1: Right. And, you know, it's a battle, right? When you're you're growing a company, you know, you don't necessarily have all the skill sets. Uh, It just happens that, you know, I came from a background where I understood interpersonal relationships very well. I understood what it meant to have good bedside manners. You can't treat a patient if you don't have good bedside manners. You might misdiagnose. I brought those skill sets into what my husband brought in, which he had the opportunity to work at amazing companies, and he brought in some of the stuff that they had done well, and we iterated on those things, and we kind of combined the two, and we thought, okay, we think this is going to work. And what ends up happening is I'm not telling you that we didn't have failures, right? But it's that iteration, that conscious, intentional iteration on that didn't work out so well. And then the other thing is we stay extremely honest. We do not do white lies. Because when you do white lies, you forget them, and then it becomes a thing, and then you allow it to fester, right? So why do white lies? We had, we decided early on that even if – either we don't – when something is uncomfortable to talk about or you don't want to, or for whatever reason, confidentiality, right? Mm-hmm. We just don't talk about it, but no white lies around it. What that creates is extreme trust within you and your employees, right? So as things happen, whether mix-up or not, we just – Talk about it. With, we have an all-employee meeting, and we talk about it, and we talk about the mistakes we made. Now, here's what ends up happening. Some people don't like it, and they leave, which is perfect because they weren't going to fit into your culture anyways long-term. Some people start, creating, start having some doubt as to, does this person know how to lead me? That's an internal struggle for them, right? They have to decide, am I going to allow this person to lead me, and am I, am I going to follow them because I have confidence in their ability to reassess themselves, or do I think that that might be a problem long term? With those, I can kind of sometimes notice it, and I'll pull them into a one-on-one and be like, okay, let's have a conversation. You tell me what your problem with me is, and I'll listen, and I'll try to see if I can correct it. And I can tell you, I've had 100% success with those. I can kind of see they're kind of questioning it. It's it's those things where they want a one-on-one with me. Like, let's, let's talk about it. You made a mistake. What lessons did you actually learn? What are you gonna to do to prevent it from happening? Because maybe when I explained it in all companies, they didn't feel satisfied that they got the whole picture. And it's that retouch, right, just like any other relationship. You gotta make sure you have an open dialogue and conversation and that honesty helps you in the long term right then your employees are thinking oh is she like lying to me is, is, is the company not going the direction that our quarterly report is showing because something is amiss when they have all the information they are adults so they can make the decision for themselves and for their teams so yeah in a roundabout way
0: yeah transparency is you know what you're talking about you know and then do you, you guys obviously probably don't agree with anonymous feedback then
1: Oh, actually, we do. Oh, you do? So okay. here's how we take – yeah, yeah, we do. Here's why there's a place for it. I make sure I'm always transparent, never use white lies. Either I'm not talking about it or I'm not going to give you like, a tiptoe around it, right? However, at the end of the year, we have two forms of reviews. One, we have a um, peer review where every person in the company has an opportunity to evaluate other people. Then we throw it into a spreadsheet and we just kind of rank it out, right? Like here's where everyone lies as far as their peers are concerned. Then in that same survey, we do have a anonymous um, analysis of your peers as well as myself and all the executives, right? Mm-hmm. The reason we do the anonymous part is because it's human nature. It's human nature to fear if, I don't, if I'm someone who doesn't have a title in the company or even if I have a title, right? There's a fear that if I told them a Exactly what I was thinking especially if I disagree, disagreed with them then I might get fired mm-hmm. well I want to know exactly what you're thinking so in case our transparency and open environment and our encouragement of um, of conflict resolution and, and argumentation during decision making hasn't given you that full opportunity to tell me everything you need to we provide for that anonymous feedback as well and we we get you know, maybe one or two, and it's not every year that something like amazing comes out of it. But we do, every now and then, we do get something where we're like, oh, wow, okay. So when we get something like that, that sets me back to the drawing board and says, what did I do last year that caused people, anyone on my team, to feel like I wasn't open to that feedback in person or non anonymously? What do I need to do to? set the right tone that I'm open. You don't get fired for telling me that I did something wrong. If anything, you get a pat on the back and says, good job that you were doing the checks and balances to make sure that we're all in the right direction because I'm human and can make a mistake as well. And so I go back to the drawing board and do some relationship building and some more conversations. And usually team building. If I get something like that, immediately we'll do a team building event.
0: Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. It is kind of a safeguard because... You probably wouldn't need an honest feedback if it was a hundred percent perfect world in your open, transparent world, right? <laughs> but just right. in case right. to catch that, yeah. But we're we're all we're we're human, right? So <laughs>
1: Yep. We're human. And at any given point we have lots of other issues that, you know, are making us who we are outside of our just work, right? So we feel protective of our uh, feedback.
0: Yeah. So I think that's great. I, I appreciate I appreciate the soapbox. That's exactly what I wanted to get out of you. So thank you. Um, the The question I had is: Do you are you involved in like a peer group, or do you do you network with other leaders, CEOs, to kind of get tips, tricks, or maybe other sorts of training to help you?
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, I think it's very healthy for everyone to have uh, peers that they converse with that they trust because. Again, we're all human. We all have, you know, Brene Brown says it best. You know, we all have self-doubt and we all shame ourselves. It doesn't matter what level in the food chain you're at or how high on the chain you are, you self-doubt. And in those moments of self-doubt, which is very, again, human nature, that's how we do it. On a bad day, we're good, we're great. And on a uh, I'm sorry. I said on a bad day. We're we're doing horrible. We self doubt, and on a great day, we're like king of the world, right? We can do anything we want. And we're gonna push forward, and it's really important that you have a network of leaders who are on the same kind of um, uh, the level as you, as far as um, what responsibilities they have, so that you can converse openly with them and say, Hey, you know what? I was thinking this. What are your thoughts on it? And it really helps. Just that conversation. Bringing it up allows you to hear your thoughts out loud. Not only can you fix it sometimes yourself, but your peers have advice for you. Yeah. maybe they different than you
0: yeah no I, I agree I think that's that is a uh, you it's it's opening yourself to be transparent to feedback you know amongst your peers which I think is good so yeah um so what would what would you say if someone that has a negative culture and or they feel like they want to they want to improve their culture and they're they're at that inflection point of about thirty employees. What would you say are some like things to start with? So what what is like one thing that a practice that they can start um, that would be easy to do, easy to bite off, and and start doing like in the next week?
1: Um, so the first thing to do is to step back out of your business yourself and. Say to yourself, today, I'm going to make sure every employee is in the company, not working on our company, but working on our relationship. Allowing people that space is important as well. That gives you that first step on your matter. You're important. We're going to take company time to solve this. Then you start around and you start saying, hey, we haven't really worked on culture. So we have some things that we want to resolve or we have a direction we want to go to. What do you think? And it's an open dialogue. And you go back to grade school where, you know, you go, let's have an open discussion and then let's break it up into teams. What are your team things? And then you bring back those ideas that teams come up with and you kind of just go through them, right? Here's what this team thought. Here's what this team thought. What do we think we want to be when we grow up kind of a thing, right? And at any time you catch that you have an internal culture conflict, and you want to work on it, it's a good time, right? Maybe you could have done it before, but who cares? You didn't. Now you, you're you trying. So now you have to sit down, and you can't do it alone. With the larger your team is and, the, and you're starting out, you've got to incorporate your entire team and let them have a voice. Because if they come into a culture, they can mimic it. But if you're changing it on them, it feels forced, so you have to include their voice. So that's what I would do.
0: Well, I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Um, you know, w- one of the questions I had was, you know, this networking with other peers is is something that is sometimes hard to do for leaders. Um, do you have any suggestions on ways to go about that, other specific groups that you've joined, or just tips to do that? Because I think sometimes it's something that gets pushed under the rug because it's you know, so much urgent things to do.
1: Now, there might be a lot of people that disagree with me on this, but there's a lot of groups out there, you know, like leadership groups and this kind of groups and, you know, those, uh, those coaches that bring together like CEOs and, and executives to learn from each other. And what happens with those kind of um, avenues is it's helpful for some when they're trying to do revenue growth. But what happens is it's better for some because if you have one person who's in banking and one person who's in software and one person who's in real estate, those industries and the way they function in the market is so different that you don't get to discuss things as far as interpersonal relationship, office stuff, you know, like how do you do things for your culture? Because a banking uh, industry is very different than a software industry, right? Yeah. But when you – now, good for some. That, that works That's a great beginning point. But in my opinion, what's even better is call, you know, most people ha- know another CEO they admire or there's a company about their size that is in their same industry that they recognize as, you know, hey, that person is interesting. Find their email, email them. If they're in your town, email them. Start your own CEO group. And here's what happens with CEOs especially, and I'll just speak for myself. If another CEO contacts me, it's probably going to be a one-line sentence. Hey, I'm having an issue. I'm right down the street from you. I know we don't know each other, but I'd like to talk to you. You have a few minutes. Guess what? Chances are they're going to respond because they're, you know, if, they're, if you catch them on the right day, right? Contact people. If you don't know them that way, most places, like in Phoenix, we've got a Yes Phoenix group. There are networking groups that executives are at. Go out there, talk to them, and say, hey, do you want to have, like, you know, a lunch to discuss. And over time, what ends up happening is you build a CEO group or you find out that there's already one that exists and you join them, right? And so that's what I would recommend. Go find them. If you don't have one in your neck of the woods, start one.
0: a great advice. Do it
1: within I, think, I think the industry needs to be specific, right? If you're in software, stay with software. If you're in real estate, stay in real estate, because you will have more common ground to speak on.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Your less generality is more like this is how it is actually playing out in my business, yeah
1: right, you know like for example, uh, the best one for me is I joined one early on for um, for the leadership training, and I found that I was sitting around a table of very impressive people, very, very impressive people with lots of knowledge. but when I was talking about, oh, we have uh, video games in our office, and this, I was speaking to someone who was in banking where they still had OSHA laws right, where they still couldn't wear um uh, Open toe shoes to work. And <laughs> here I am in an industry that that's not even an option. Like, we, we I, I don't think anyone comes barefoot, but I we don't have dress code at all. People come in any shape they want and whatever. Like, there's a magnitude of difference. Someone will come in a suit and the other person's in full flops, right? We've had people roll in with pajamas before. I don't really care. Get your work done. <laughs> and so those industries are different, right? So when we're starting to talk, by the way, in the banking world, they also had a set limit of where female skirt um lengths should be at yeah which was very interesting so you can't when you ha- when you're so different in industries it's hard to talk about culture right because culture is different there and you can still disrupt it and change it in banking than you know software
0: yeah no that's great thank you i won't take any more of your time but i appreciate you coming on the show and and sharing from your heart and actual things that have worked in your business so thank you so much
1: thank you very much for having me mike
0: Thanks so much for listening. If you found the show valuable, please give us some love on iTunes. But if there's any reason that you would rate us less than five stars, please let me know. Shoot me a note at mike at podcast.com. Thanks.